Welcome to Ma's Garage. I'm Kev. I'm Crick. And I'm Smokey. And on this episode, we'll be talking about beer. So grab a log and join us by the fire. When is the time you guys let fear stop you from accomplishing something that you actually wanted to do? Like you completely let it hinder you from even going through with attempting it. I feel like that's chemistry for me. It's super interesting, but I feel like if I dabble with it, I'm going to kill myself. Mix too many things together that could that could end up harming you just because of the risk that it that it entails. But at the same time, that's how you learn. It's the same with electronics because it's the same thing, I guess. You know, if I in my ignorance, if I touch something somewhere I shouldn't touch it, I could be dead in a heartbeat. But I feel like I know better now. But that lingering fear is still there from a long time ago. So with your with your question, can does it have to be something that fear completely stops you? Because who's to say that you wanted to do something at one time? Now time has passed between then and now, and nothing stopping you from accomplishing it now. There were factors then, but nothing. But those factors are no longer present now. Well, that's what I was thinking of something where, cause sometimes we miss that boat, you know what I mean? Sometimes we miss that opportunity altogether. Sometimes you don't get a chance to reattempt something because it was a once in a lifetime, once in that moment opportunity. So that's where I was thinking of something possibly more specific where it's the fear in the moment stopped you for like almost causing regret where, because you didn't act in the moment because of fear, you never got to see the outcome of good or bad. What could have happened from it? So this is kind of similar to the scene of eight mile where he just chokes in that first battle because of that fear of the crowd. Right. And but I mean, then which, he, but then he comes back. Right. And I mean, and that one, he gets a chance to come back. So maybe it's like, I guess chance were like you, you saw this girl who's super pretty, who you just a random stranger, like that stranger on the bus, the stranger on the train who you felt like you wanted to approach, but the fear took over. So you never saw her again because you can't recreate that with that exact same person. Right. So, so that exact experience is gone. You know what I mean? So like, because you choked in that moment, there was never a time to reapproach. There was never a time to fix it. Well, that's, that's an example just right there on Mm -hmm. daily life. There are going to be anywhere from one to a thousand people that you see on a daily basis. And are you going to interact with every single one of them? Because there's a chance that you may not see any of them ever again. That's kind of like this job that I just had the interview for and got offered the position and turned it down. And, you know, I, I do kind of regret it because I don't know what the outcome would have been. And I really don't know what stopped me from doing it besides the fact that where I'm at, I know what I'm doing. I'm comfortable with the income because I know I can support my family. I can support me. But at the same time, sometimes I want, I want more than what I'm doing, you know, and I, I had that opportunity and 
I kind of walked away from it. At the same time, you did a pros and cons list and you weighed the positives and the negatives. This other job that you turned down may have given you some things, but it was also taking away other things. Right. But those things would change. And I only know the negatives based off of not working a day there at all. That's also true. There's there's a quote on that, isn't there, where it's like the fear of the, the enemy I know compared to the one that I don't or yeah. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It's like, you you know, all the downsides, the one year you have, but the other one has so many unknowns. It can be more fearful, even though they could be things that you've just orchestrated in your head. They may not even be real. Right. Like I painted scenarios and, to justify it. Right. And the door is not completely closed. Yeah. I mean, depending it's if, you know, if they filled the position and stuff like that, it may not be, you know, depends on the situation, but yeah. I mean, there right. is still the opportunity but to still God, pursue it. God forbid time goes on. He witnesses enough at his current workplace that he's just like, you know what? I have got to get out of this place. If something like that were to happen, not saying it will or won't. Right. But if he hits, if any of us really, if any of us push, if any of our current workplaces push us to that point where it's like, I just cannot see myself returning to this position. Don't ever think that you can't apply for positions that you've applied for and been offered. Even if the position has been filled, you can still apply with that company. That company wanted to hire you. Right. And it probably has multiple positions that you just have to find a good fit for yourself. Right. If you see yourself working for that company. That's true. There's um, something interesting when you said, when we were talking about like the, the stranger on the bus, that interaction is you brought up a good point. Smokey is that you'll probably never see them again. And that in itself should almost be a motivation because it's like, if you're never going to run into them again, what's the risk of, taking your shot and making your interaction. I wouldn't go as far as probably, but you might. You might. You can't, you can't just assume per se that you're never going to see any of these people again. Lo and behold, you see this one girl on the bus and lo and behold, she's in your neighborhood. So you see her outside, you see her walking around. You're just like, she must be in the area. She's always around. Or same, same for some of my deliveries. That's a hypothetical that, that you've built though, because she could, or she couldn't, you don't know in that moment that that's, that's true. And you don't even know in that moment, if maybe you may fail that one time, maybe she's just out of mood or she's in a relationship at that time, but you still made your opportunity and you're like, Oh crap. Now I got to see her on a daily basis, but you've planted that seed. As long as you hold yourself to the accord that you you know, you are yourself and you treat people with respect and or how you want to treat people. Maybe down the road, it, it puts into chain of effect things to work out in the way that you want it to work out. You know, you it, just by not acting, you, you're not putting, you're not adding any kind of variable in by not acting. You fail 100% of the time on things that you don't try. And you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's 100%, I can see that side of the spectrum. You got to give yourself that opportunity, have the confidence in yourself to 
I mean, what's, what are the repercussions if it doesn't go the way you hope it goes? And, in your and, head, it's like they yeah. smack you in the face. Everybody laughs at you and you walk home crying. Like your mind can build it up into such of a monster. It really, it really could can. be. Right. But they're probably never going to be that Nowadays, bad. some of these people are extremely malicious that you just give someone a look and they somehow have enough knowledge that they can steal all your information and just send people after all of your personal stuff. Like it's wild. <laughs> That's that's where it's, we, you know, we talked about this a little before, but that's, that's the preparation you put into it, you know, because it's, what do you do next? If it doesn't go well, right. You know, have what's your plan B, how do you, you can't plan for failure, but you can treat yourself. So you're ready to handle a situation. We're good at conversing with people. If it doesn't go our way, we can turn it into a joke or mm-hmm. just be like, it's okay. If anything, for the most part, as long as you act respectably, they're going to take it as a compliment and they're going to take it as, you know, I don't, most people probably won't take as harassment unless you, your way of coming out of something is going up and groping them or pushing <laughs> that line. Right. But you, it's so easy to get in your head because you can be so committed to it. You can be so confident building yourself up to it. And then when the moment comes, it's just your gut goes in check and you start to sweat and everything just takes over the sense of all the stuff that could go wrong floods through your head and what all that logic and, that, and reasoning you just put into it, go by the wayside. It doesn't right. mean anything anymore. There was uh, there was one time that uh, Blake and I were shopping at uh, Meyer, and uh, <clears throat> while we were like in an aisle, there was this girl that like walked by us and gave both of us just like a look, but it made both of us stop. <laughs> what, we, what we were doing because we had recognized that she just gave us this look that we're just like what just happened and then maybe like five or so minutes later we're walking through we're like continuing our shopping and we see her and there's this guy just spitting game to this girl and this girl is just shooting him down at every single point that he has made and like he i remember one that he's that uh he was, he was like yeah you should totally come over i mean i'll talk to my girl. she's like oh you got a girl <laughs> just like, like we heard that we, we heard that as we were passing by and we get around the aisle we both just start laughing we're just like what the hell just happened <laughs> But maybe she turned him down because she was interested in you guys. You know, you, you, you never yeah, know. Yeah, and neither of us pursued. So that's that's even with conversations that I don't want to have with employers or people at work or things like that. I'll, I'll have that same kind of anxiety build up, that same kind of fear. And the only thing that's ever helped me, even with like, I developed in like high school for like talking to girls and getting getting that out there is it's literally like, I don't know. It's not even the best analogy, but it, to me, it's like throwing out a line in the water. It's like throwing, casting your pole. Cause like once it's out there, it's out there. You've already thrown it in the water. You, you can reel it back in, but you've, you've spit it out. You just have to get, mm-hmm. get it out of your mouth, like get it out. And it's into the universe, but you and have to then get it the out. The universe is going to respond. Yep. But you can't control that. You can't control what the universe does next. All you can control is what you do i just thought of a response to that question on my behalf yeah when it's something that you want to do that it's an intention per se 
but it's not a right intention. And if it goes sour, could criminally harm you. Can, can you give an example without incriminating yourself? <laughs> In the most general sense, using the stereotype for the pizza delivery guy that sleeps with the people that order the pizza. Mm. So you want there to have movies. been there have sausage been, on that. They, yeah, like the stereotypes, <laughs> the joke, whatnot. There have been a handful that I deliver this pizza and this girl is just smoking. I want to ask, but I don't because God forbid, oh, that's unprofessional. This is how, this is how, like, this is how Capri trains their people. Like, this is, I'm going to write a review. This is sexual harassment. Like, it's just a whole mountain. That's, I'm a guy. I, I have those intentions. I have those feelings. But at the same time, I know to keep it professional. So I've always told myself that if they push it a little bit more, I'm not just going to shoot it down per se. I mean, I'm going to feel the moment, but at the same time, Capri doesn't pay me to sleep with its clients. It, that's where I think it's weird. Cause it's a work thing because you can't use it if, when you're on the clock. That's one thing. Like if you're out of job, you can make someone feel uncomfortable. Same thing when I was at journeys and stuff, I didn't want to hit on people. Cause I don't want you to not come back to this place because right. of something that I did. But you can't use that in everyday life because you just want you as much want them to make the attempt as they want you to make the attempt. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid True. of putting themselves out there and getting rejected. And so if you're getting that inkling or you're getting that signs that you feel, I think it's how you execute that, like we kind of said before. But you have to make that attempt because both people are afraid. And if you play that game of back and forth of Will someone just say something and then you guys just both don't and nothing ever happens. Action you know, needs to be taken by somebody. Yeah. Keep telling myself, which eventually I'm going to be working with him again. But uh, the other driver that's been there for 15 years, like just asking them like, Hey, anything ever happened? I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, I I've done that at Taco Bell once. I think that's one of the few times I've ever like, made that attempt in a like in a work environment but there was this girl at taco bell that i don't know why i felt like i was getting a vibe from her so after i was done eating i was about to leave i walked up and gave her my number and we started texting and we kind of hit it off and it was like i was so nervous and i didn't i didn't get much of a hint i just thought she was pretty and she was really nice which you always are in a retail environment but that was in my super confident days at that too but she it was, didn't it worked it, you know she was working at taco bell or she was yeah. another patron she's working at taco bell so i was on the customer side so it was you know i feel like if it's in a work environment the person who is not working has to be the person to execute it yeah i feel like that's the unspoken rule of how mm -hmm. that has to go because when you're working and you're representing another entity i feel like that's how you see a lot of couples at places that work at the, like couples that work at the same place. 
And they're able to express those feelings while they're on that clock because they're in that shared space. But as long as they don't let that jeopardize the job that they're trying to do. Right. As long as they're not like banging it out in front of the rest of the people or like banging it out during like something that they're supposed to be doing, which I'm, I mean, I'm sure both these things I'm saying have happened, but. Or if they're porn stars, that's part of the job is to bang it out in front of everybody. So that is also, I mean, that that's a different, (laughs) that's a completely different thing. I feel like that goes to hand in hand because Kev, you can speak to this too, is you meet a lot of your significant others at the place that you work. Mm -hmm. That's how you make that connection because you have something in common. You spend so much time with these people, right? It's almost like dating without dating. It is. It, 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 It almost is. And it's especially make friends, especially because from the time I punch in and the time I punch out, there is an unspoken rule that I got to respect you while we're working. I mean, I should just as an individual. So I'm not saying that I ha- I'm not saying that it's a hard I have to, but it's a moral I have to. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you are kind of feuding with someone at work, you still have to respect them as your coworker. And you're also seeing a bigger window of that person. You know what I mean? If you see someone in public briefly, the only ways you really meet people is either through work or through front group of friends, because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a forced time where you have to be around this person for an expanded amount of time where they don't get to see a brief window. They get to see you on a, a daily basis or multiple hours where they can get a better gauge of the person that you are. You can't have your book by its cover, right? Right. You see them on their bad days and good days and how they interact with other people, how they talk to people. And I've, I've been set up on some blind dates that unfortunately it just didn't kind of work out, I guess. Which happens. I mean, it's, it, that's, that's an interesting thing that I kind of miss too. Cause it's, it's hard when you don't have that connection where it's like, I feel like sometimes that can be great where it's a friend can be like, Oh, you two are very similar. So we're friends and they're friends. So why don't we all be friends and see where it goes? Right. In theory, that sounds nice. And the, what hurts it is when you have the friend that is trying too hard to play matchmaker. Yes. That it's not in your best intention. They believe it's in your best intention, but you don't believe it's in your best intention. Right. Sometimes they just want another couple to hang out with. That's right. like, oh, if we can make both of our friends date, then we have a couple to go do things with. That kills Listen, two you birds want to hang out one. with your friend. I don't like her. That but feeds I like two him, birds so. with one scone. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Like I still have that list of all those things. <laughs> the the what's that called? Politically correct ways of yeah. The politically like I don't know if it's necessarily <laughs> politically correct. Well, actually, yeah, I think it is politically correct, and it's more in favor of animals that you're not talking about, like injuring or harming animals. I'm feeding that, birds. That brings up a good point too. Like, there's so much fear nowadays in the culture of presenting yeah and comedy and what you can say as a presenter and how stifled you have to be Mm -hmm. and all the filters that you have to put on because you're going to offend somebody and which i feel like is a dangerous thing because 
people can choose to be offended over anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can. Whatever and they want. They can choose to make it a genuine reaction or a non-genuine reaction. Right. I, like, oh, like, oh, this is going to be a great video. I'm going to go do this, but I'm going to look serious. It, and not to bring up a, a super common topic right now, but it's kind it. of the same with like the Will Smith thing. Where... I knew it. I knew you were going to talk about it. I, I was going to say something. It's so prevalent, but it's he was laughing. Like you see him laughing. You see him start to laugh, but then he looks over at Jada, sees her reaction and is like, actually, Maybe I'm maybe that I have to go is, do something. This is not right. Yes. Someone needs to do something. I should take that upon myself. Now he's banned from all those events for 10 years, which as a comedian, you, you can't be afraid of saying jokes. If you pull all your jokes because you're That's afraid you're right. going to offend somebody, you're never going to have jokes. You, you're never going to make those calls. You're you, never going to learn as a comedian. You have to be able to learn and adapt so that the jokes come across as jokes, not offending anyone, not trying to offend anyone. You're just poking fun at this topic that is the subject of your joke. Ross Creations had that too, where he does pranks and stuff on people. And at first he said he was too abrasive with them where he was people were the butt of the jokes where he was his jokes were from the at the expense of other people and he learned over time that he can still be just as funny with putting himself at the expense of the joke or not having to have a victim to the joke and still making it just as funny i think people are really funny when they make fun of themselves or they humiliate per se themselves as opposed to humiliating someone else yeah it's much more genuine in my opinion and generally comes across better we've talked about you do have some people that are just like this guy's a weirdo yeah well you can always have it on both ends right that's true we've talked about that in the past where you know the egotistical narcissist people are going to make sure you focus on this one person that they're making fun of Mm -hmm. so that they're the focus and nobody pays attention to them. But he shows that you, you can go the other way. You can be the butt of the joke. It is funny. It's, it's a good form of humility too. It's understanding yourself and being comfortable with yourself and your faults being vulnerable. Yeah. It's like, it's like little Dickie talking about, the kind of rap that he was coming out with that it was more of him just like rapping about like the hilarious things that like happens to him in his life. Like talking, talking about like waking up and jacking it to, to Pango. <laughs> I mean, that's a great, that's a great song. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I do, I do really enjoy that song, but, and looking at looking back on like some of the stuff that he has done and some of the stuff that he raps about, I mean, I, totally understand where he's coming from like it's, he, it's he, realistic he didn't did, and he didn't want to talk about it as it non be like this is stuff that's actually happening to him that's funny mm-hmm. that's relatable because that's, it yes, happens that's to everybody. relatable you said you were talking about earlier did you finally watch eight mile i did yes okay so i can talk about this that ties in spoiler alert with the end of the movie how he shuts down that other group because before they get a chance yeah, he does he goes, he just says, this is like, this is all the stuff you're about to make fun of me about. 
and he took away their powers. He right. takes away their ammo, and they yeah. couldn't do anything. Nope. I still think it would have been. I still think it would have been written a little bit better if they would have at least tried, but. I don't know. Like maybe that does happen in real life where you take away the other crew's ammo and they're just like, well, I ain't got no shells. Well, sometimes it's pre-written. Sometimes they know their, their opponent and they pre-write what they're going to attack them with. And so if you pull away all their jokes, what are they going to come at you with? They're either going to have to try to come up with something off the top or they got to think, they got to think on the fly. And that's what he showed is he goes, you guys are fake. You guys are just, you have it pre-written. You know what you're going to say. You're talking about the same tired stuff every single time. And so if I take that away from you, what do you got? You have nothing. Yeah. And that's the biggest diss that he could have had on them was dissing himself, which like not being afraid of who you are and like what, what do they see of you? You know, that that's, not afraid to be yourself is wildly hard for whatever reason. It's all the rules and everything else that we're taught growing up. We talk about it constantly on this show. I'm learning some of these things, you know, it's, well, you've got to do this because it's that way. And you've got to do this because it's that way. And especially and with there being social norms and a social hierarchy that we are essentially following. By. Right. But is that, why is that the, the gold standard? Why does that have to be the gold standard? And why do we have to try well, so hard to fit into this perfect blanket statement that is the human race? Because I enjoy a life that I don't walk down a sidewalk and see a bunch of people molesting kids. That's an extreme, though. Right. That's is that everybody. what you would do? Are you saying <laughs> that's, that's not what I would do? <laughs> not what I would do. But if we're, we're talking about people being true to their intentions... There's going to be those people. There's going to be the people that are trying to harm people. There's going to be the people that are trying to help people. There's going to be the people that are trying to like, you're going to have so many mixes. I do like our to a degree socialist economy. And I like the opportunity that it has yielded where we have failed as a society is the power that we have given to our technological advances over what we have essentially done our entire time. It, it kind of goes back though, to what we were talking about with that, with the person on the bus, the stranger on the bus, you don't know how the world's going to react to you being yourself. You create monsters in your mind that people are going to judge you for, for being who you are. But most, like we just talked about with all those people, when they're humble and they're true to themselves, that's when they're the most, you can relate with them. You know what I mean? I feel it doesn't get in our way, the general public from being themselves and being afraid to be themselves because that's how you find your true people. Like that's how you find the people who relate with you. That's how you find your click. That's how you find your friends. And if you're putting up false flags because you're afraid of letting your true self out, you're going to be miserable. And the people around you are going to be miserable because you're surrounding yourself with people who you don't relate with. Mm -hmm. See now. So more than ever, people have more opportunity to express themselves in so many more ways than they could, than they could have in the past or than they wanted to, than they did in the past. The stage is just bigger. I think 
the right. stage is the stage is much bigger and the spotlights encompass much more of the stage yeah it's becoming more normalized though as well too look look at this podcast look at some of the deep things that we talk about on this podcast that at first we were kind of not sure if we should talk about or how much we should share and it's it's mm. it's almost like medicinal at this point though to be able to express those things and it makes us more comfortable at least for myself it makes me more comfortable talking about some of these deeper things with other people because I've had a platform to express them. I've had a platform to open myself up in general, you know? And so that's not always, I don't go and, you know, broad, we're putting this out to the world. We're literally putting out our deep thoughts out to the world, which is something I can say I didn't always do, at least to this extent. And again, we have that opportunity. Right. 30 some years ago when the internet was just starting to become a thing, there weren't podcasts, there weren't cell phones. There no. wasn't even home internet yet. Right. You used to go out on the side on the corner and yell your life to strangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Sitting> <laughs> on your soapbox. All right. Hey Dale, check out my new 50 inch plasma. Oh yeah. Hey, check out my new $10,000 hot tub. Yeah, oh, but people, that's really cool. People have always expressed themselves before the internet. They just did it on different platforms, right? Like and, they yes. they would do it in schools or in front of groups or public speakings. There, there were tons of different ways for people to do it. They've always done it. It's just that people have always felt fearful of being themselves because of the repercussions of if they are themselves. How are they going to get treated? How are people going to look at them? And other external factors that caused them to have that fear to repress those feelings. That's, that's even in their creative works. That's, you know, people can be afraid to say, I want to be a poet. I want to be an artist. I want to be, I have to do my job that I've been doing for the last 15, 20 years. It's some people can be afraid and stuck in that world to step out even back then and say, I want to write a novel. I want to do these things. I want to express myself and put myself out to the critics of the world that's a hard thing to do, but that's expressing yourself, writing a book, mm-hmm. writing a, writing poetry, writing, like making anything and putting it out for the world to love or hate is it, like, it can be scary. <laughs> Doing it, things it, for it yourself can. to make yourself happy. It is, it is a scary thing to do because sometimes you got to do things that make you uncomfortable. Right. And at the same time, you don't know what happens until you do. Exactly. And it, really doesn't matter what happens because like Crick said earlier, you have no control over any of that. Right. All you have control mm, over is if you never release it in the first place. Exactly. Well, that's you, your then control. You're just gonna live and miserable. then you control who sees it. Then you control your happiness at that point. I and mean, you're choosing to be miserable by not acting and doing something that would make you happy. Well, I mean, you have like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? not dissertation, but something of that level, you have a sample of something that you're writing. You give it to your friends and you gauge their reactions or you have a whole book that you've written. You don't ask for any feedback and you just go straight to the press companies and you try to see if someone's going to write it. Sometimes you need to do that though, because think of all the greatest writers and artists who weren't appreciated in their own time. It wasn't until after that they died. They went out like... 
even um, J.K. Rowling, author of Harry Potter, she was turned down by so many publishing companies. 50 plus publishing companies. Right. Who said this is garbage? Why are you writing this? No one's going to read this. And then and she kept going because to her, it mattered. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what other people think. Like you, even your friends, they might not be your audience. If you feel like you That's have to do true. it. That's what's matters. And like, we, if you get a same thing with the, with the person on the bus and whatever, I, if you get an inkling to do something and you feel it in your soul that you must do this, there's a reason why you had that feeling. There's a reason why that came up to you. You have to act. You have to explore that in some sense. This is your life. This is the one life you get. And if every time that you let fear take over and you don't take these opportunities that for some reason you felt you needed to do, you're going to be miserable and you're not, you might not get a chance to ever do those again. It's you, you have to, you have to act when you get that inkling, like you have to do it. Your life's goal is to I find can, out what you're here to do. We're, I all, can, we're all here for something and you're supposed to be happy doing it. You're not, you're not going to do a good job if you're miserable the whole time. Right? You're, you're not going to do, do as good of a job. No yeah. one's going to give you permission. No one's going to tell you, you know, they're trying to do it their own life. They're not, no one's going to sit here and tell you, okay, you should do this. That's what you should do next. And good job on that. It's, There's no instruction manual on how to be happy. You right. got to find it yourself. You got to find what makes you happy. And then act. You can't let fear hold you back from it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, at the same time, just try to do as much research as you can. Be there's a difference between being prepared and being ignorant. Correct. There is, there is, but there's a point of fearing yourself into, yo, well, I'll never be ready. So I got to keep studying, keep studying, keep studying. And then you still never, take, never react or you never take action. It's every, it's the thing they say about art. No piece of art is ever completed and it's only abandoned. It's mm-hmm. never done. It's never finished. It's never, I'm never happy with it, but sometimes I got to send it because there's a deadline or I have to move on to the next thing. There's so many things that we're critical of. Like I, I was doing some marketing posters uh, for the alley that I work at and I spent hours on these things. I spent so much time on them. And at some point I kind of liked them, but then I'm like, Oh, well that could be better. And I could tweak this and, but it's, I got to get them out. The leagues are starting. And so I finally put them out. And they've been getting praise. Like people love them. They look great. And into my eyes, I'm still like, well, it could be better. It, it could be this. And I could have done this on it and get it out there. Sometimes you just have to put it out there, you know, and it's, but that's where I feel like you really have to check in and know yourself. Like the biggest part before you like to express yourself, you have to know yourself. So you have to figure out what your message is. You have to do that deep soul searching. You got to make sure that, those what ideas in your minds, right? Are, are these my values? Or are these other people's values that I'm living through? You have to like, that's make fair. sure that's your, your voice that's going on in your head and not somebody else's. Ryan Holiday writes that in his book is uh, you have to go back to you principle. You, if you start to get lost, go back to your principles and whatever you're lost on will start to make sense. And the obstacle becomes smaller and smaller that way. Right. As long as you do what you know is right or you feel is right, it won't be a problem. That's the same as your brand is your stand. He says something similar. He says, oh, you were so close. Your stand is your, your brand is your stand. Stand is your, your brand. Stand is your brand. Your stand is your brand. Damn. Okay. 
I get it there one time. Um, but it's, it's, it's fair because you're opening the book and you're reading the inside. You're not looking at the cover. Right. It, he he says that though so much as he says where he sees the most because he tries to do self-help. He tries to help these people and he realized in himself and in others, the most despair that people get is when they've been living their lives from all these other bits of information they've been told by other people who they've mm -hmm. wanted what they have. So it's this, it's this little verbiage. It's this little, you know, like you can't have sex. Like one of them is you can't have success without sacrifice. You can't have success without sacrificing things. And it's something he used to live by. And then he realized that was wrong. He said, sacrifice is going without the things that you truly want to have success. But why would you, if that's something you want, why are you going without it? That's then you're not being successful. So he had to unlearn that and really check in with all these things that he thought that he lived by. And that's where that thing, cause what do I believe? Why do I believe it? What am I going to do about it? Checking in with all those things that he said over and over in his head and he'd run them through that same process. Okay. What do I, why do I believe that? Why do I believe this thing that someone's told me? And how am I going to go about with this from the for the future? Checking in with yourself. And he said, that's the biggest mistake people make from reading this book. He said, this book won't work if you just read it. Just reading this book is not going to do anything for you. Putting it into application and checking in with yourself and checking in with your morals and why you're doing what you're doing is the only thing that's actually going to make a difference. You can't just hear pretty words. That's when the learning truly starts. Right you got to do the groundwork you gotta you gotta do something like people are not going to solve your life for you they're busy with their own they can try to help but it's almost like somebody helping you is like a piece of art like they can try to help you all they want but at some point they got to let you go and do your own thing mm -hmm. and just let it be free and let it have its own life to another Ryan Holiday one. I was listening to the Daily Stoic podcast. He said, "We're it's so easy for us when somebody needs help from us that we can give them advice and tell them how this is and how that is. But yeah. when it comes time to internalize that advice, we're our biggest critic and we have no idea what to do and we're lost. Yeah. There have been a handful of instances that people have given me advice on how to do things. I've let it sit faster. I've let it cook, whatever. And I end up doing either a level of what they said or a piece of it, not the full thing. And I end up seeing them and telling them like what I ended up doing. They're like, you should have just followed my advice. And I'm like, looking back on it. Yeah, I probably could have, but at the same time, the route that I went, that's how I learn. There's more ways than one. Mm -hmm. And the route that you took will make it stick with you more than just, well, yeah, you said that. You're right. I should just be your follower, right? But yes, even that, that's, that's, how it, that's how it feels. It's like, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, you only know one way of what you told me how to do. There's numerous different ways that mm -hmm. we could do, that I could do things. And maybe I want to, maybe I don't, maybe I think your way is a little complicated and I'm trying to find a simpler way. And it's not until you start going piece by piece that you're like, okay, maybe this is just a complicated process. There's always more ways than one. Well, and think of how many times that you've given advice or same thing with parents where you've been given advice by people who don't follow their own advice or you don't follow your own advice. It's, you can know the knowledge 
but conceptualizing and truly understanding it and implementing it is a different thing. You, you can know what to do, but when, you know, rubber hits the road, are you going to actually act upon that? Parenting has made, that's where I started my reflectiveness myself is I heard the things that I was saying to my kids and things that I was telling them. And then they started to ask me why, and I didn't have a good answer. And I gave a a shit answer just to tell them to listen to me. But then I go and sit down and it's like, I got to actually think about this. Your kids are smarter than that. And they're not going to accept that for very long. Right. Well, then that's, that's where it's, it's helped me change myself and change some of my habits, my poor habits that I've just kind of grown complacent with. You said that too, is that you've noticed the same things that you critique them about. You catch yourself still doing the same mm-hmm. things that you're, you're trying to be like, well, why do you guys do this? You have to ask yourself, why am I still doing this 30 years right. down the road? Like- right. <laughs> I mean, they're obviously picking it up from somewhere. Right. Yeah. They're sponges. Yeah. They've also got somewhat similar genes. Yeah. But I, I, it's a lot of learned behaviors. I mean, they're not going to just is. inherit it is. inherit my bad habits. Yeah. I, I've, I firmly believe a baby doesn't come out the womb and it just is built in their DNA that they're going to be a professional bowler. Right. Like you got to take the child to a bowling alley. He has, they, they have to like, what they're seeing they have to like what they're doing and they have to like it so much that they want to continue to do it and Mm -hmm. repeat and improve that's where i mean that's what we try to do with this podcast and everything as well too is you got to be careful how you give advice like no one knows the right answer no one knows how to do things so that's where i've learned this from like this is how kind of therapists and stuff act they don't tell you what to do they ask you questions they Mm -hmm. you got to solve it for yourself just i don't know the whole even if you tell me as much as you want of it i don't know the whole story i don't know how the one half of the story right or one part like you're going to approach this in your own way you're going to write this book in your own way how's it going to be this is what i've learned how do you feel about this but it's going to go different. Every what situation works for one different. person may work differently for another. And, right. espe- and especially when you're, it's in your circle of friends, something happens. They're just like, how do you feel about like, it's like, I need to talk to the other person to get their side before I can mm-hmm. give you my reaction. I can give you my initial reaction. Yeah. This is a little messed up, but there could be some other things that we're not, that are going to fill in these. Blanks. I want the full story before exactly. I give my opinion. And then you got to be real careful how you go to the other person because you don't want to let them know that the other person has told you. And that's why you're asking them. You just have to have it genuinely like, hey, that thing that happened the other day, that was a little bit odd. Or, hey, like, uh, yeah, just try to make it genuine. We have to watch that, too, because sometimes people will ask for advice or they'll ask for help because they don't want to be at fault when it goes wrong. Yeah. Well, so-and-so told me. They told me that would work. They told me that's what I should do. So I did it. So, and then it didn't work. So it's their fault. So you, you chose to I can understand that you were following the instruction of so-and-so, but you at the same time are your own person. So if this is the reaction that you're just blaming the other person, you're not like the other person gave me the drive, but I, maybe I didn't execute properly. Like there's gotta there's gotta be 50, 50, you know? 
That's the fear of failure is a huge obstacle that will stop you time and time again. That's I've been watching Kitchen Nightmares the last couple of days again, which is great. Um, it is a great show. That's the biggest thing that he says that gets all these these arrogant, these like full of themselves people. The the biggest obstacle they run into is they don't think that they're capable of doing wrong. They don't think they're mm-hmm. capable of screwing up, even though they're the biggest obstacle of the, of themselves losing money, their lives being stressed out, everything going to crap is because they can't take accountability for the fact that they messed up, that they're not perfect. They're human beings, that they're flawed, that they could learn, that they could do better. I don't have to do that. It shows weakness. I caught right. on to that pretty quickly watching those episodes that, oh, so all the, almost, almost like, at least 60% of all these business owners are just going to be narcissists that think that they're God and think that their authority is above all because they're the business owner and who, who dares question them. It's only the other 40% that are actual rational human beings that are, I was following this. It just didn't work. And I got myself into the hole. And now this is why I'm making that call because I legitimately want to take your advice and see what you have, what you have to say. The ones that they're like, things are going great. Three or so weeks after the renovations, the ones that are following the proven research of that show and of the professionals of that show, it's always the ones that, you know, as soon as Gordon is out of there, that place is just going to go right back to what it was doing before him. And it's gonna crash. Same See, deal for bar rescue was another one that I was watching for a long time and, and still do. They just don't have episodes on spike anymore, which is whatever, but <clears throat> I digress. It was, it's a great show, but it shows the same thing that these bar owners, they get in with a great idea. They hold on to that idea as long as they can. They don't adapt to the market. They don't really listen to their market and they just kind of let themselves price them out of their place. See, I think to say that's not a common trait, though, is I feel like it is. I'm I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of being afraid of failure. I'm guilty of admitting that I'm weak and that I've screwed up and that I'm capable of messing up because I don't want to let people down and I don't want to feel weak. And I did. it kills my confidence when I know that I've messed something up or that I'm capable. I've gotten better at it. I've gotten a lot better accepting that I'm human, that I'm flawed and that I'm going to fail. But there was times where I couldn't accept it. It was hard to like accept that I wasn't the perfect individual that I didn't have my whole life handled that I didn't know what I was doing and to be able to say that I don't know what I'm doing. At the same time, I feel like it's going to be situational using, for example, your position on a day that you were getting trained on how to handle register and how to do all these things that it was overwhelming you a little bit to a degree. You didn't break down and cry. No, but more in the sense that it's when you've, it's like you put all your chips in, everything's riding on this, you know? So for my example, it's when I was trying to be a member of a family. It's when, you know, I had a kid and a girlfriend at the time, and I was trying to lead a household and I was young and I didn't know any better, but I had, I had to be a role model because I had to step up to this plate. And instead of accepting and understanding, this is something I've never done. 
I was too busy trying to act like I knew what to do to try to hold that confidence and be that rock and to be, oh, you can rely on me and, and, and to set up this idea because if I could sell it to myself, then I could sell it to them. And you know what I mean? So it's, it's something I felt like I needed to do to hold that position, but to truly hold that position would be better to be admit that I didn't know always what I was doing and ask for help. Like asking for help is, is huge, but sometimes it's so hard to do because then you're afraid that people don't think you deserve the position that you're in. I think it purely depends. On and the again, situation. that's your viewpoint. That's how you viewed it. Right. Whereas if right. you asked for help, maybe sometimes people would be grateful, like, oh, he trusts me enough with this. Okay. Vulnerability. Yeah. And there are that- a handful of things that even the pizzeria, I, I still ask just because I want to clarify. And if I don't ask, and if I try and do things off memory that, yeah, I should know, but that's why I'm asking for clarification. And if you're going to be a, if you're, if you're not going to be rational about it, it's just going to make it that much worse when I do do, when I do do something and it's the wrong way. But that goes back that there's more than one way to do things because that's what I've learned in the creative realm. If I'm making a flyer, if I'm making a poster, I ask five different people what I should do with one thing. And they're going to tell me five different things. And even if I'm not asking for their advice on what to change, they're still going to have the way that they would have done it, the way mm-hmm. that they would have organized things, the right. way that they envisioned it. So sometimes it's a balancing act of reaching out for that help and being confident in your abilities to just do. Right. And some of the stuff that I'm referencing is purely on the on the chicken parm. We do the sauce first and then you do the chicken and then you do a little bit more sauce and then you do the cheese and just making sure there's cheese on that. Just making, making sure this, making sure that like, that's just more of the questions that I'm asking in that position, unless it's something that I'm learning new. And then I'm asking more questions because I want to understand. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a balance between abstract and things that are more like cooking is chemistry. It's straight up chemistry. It is. And and especially me having worked there for more than a year, I should have a general handle on how much of each portion goes into each dish. But there's still those three, four dishes that don't get ordered very often that I'm just asking for clarification. And that's, that's huge. The repetition, someone can teach you something. But if you don't have to apply it for three, four weeks, and then you're asked to do it again. Oh my God. It's different for them because they've done it for the last five years. They have that repetition. It's, it's memory to them. And to you, it's like, I taught you this three weeks ago. Don't you know what you're doing? It's like, I haven't had to do it in three weeks. I don't know. I don't. I just don't. You sound like me in my other, in my previous employment to where I am now. And we went through training and then we had a COVID scare. And then we came back and then it was a new program. And then we had another COVID scare. And then by the time we were finally doing the stuff that I had actually gotten trained on, a lot of that stuff had kind of gone out because we had so much time in between. Oh yeah. And training, they taught you like day one, day two and days three through five, you were basically free for all. 
So it was just not ways that I would traditionally do things. But a lot of that, because it was not properly applied, I didn't carry it over into when I was live and ready to go. So there was, it was a little bit rocky, I will admit. And it was more so on, more so on my part, but also I'm not hundred percent thrilled with how my supervisor handled the questions that I was asking, because that's how she was. She was, did you, if you have a question on something like, this is a resource guide, it answers all these questions. I'm like, I looked at the resource guide and I didn't think I saw the answer. I'm glad that you're pointing this out and just stuff along those lines of, did you not pay attention while we were training? Yes. I paid attention during day one of training when you went over this. And now this is day 18. Right. It's just, just people having attitudes when the reason that they have that attitude is because they can't understand it from your position. And the attitude that they give is that they're in the right position. That's a reflection of ourselves on a, on a larger scale, because it's the same thing with preparing yourself for failure, preparing yourself for all the things that could go wrong in a situation. And you can set yourself up. Well, if this happens then I'll do this, or if this happens and I'll do this, you can spend all this time thinking about this thing that you're going to go act upon. And then it could either a throw a complete different obstacle at you than you prepared for, or it could throw something at you that you didn't think about in a while where you still don't act upon it. Even though you thought about it, you're caught off guard by it. And it's, it's that need to just teach yourself to be able to work on the fly, you know, and now in that instance, of course, you need to be trained in certain things, but it's, it's have that ability to catch yourself on the fly and not over plan and, and be able to pick shit up when stuff fails, when it doesn't work out, don't get so caught up on it. Don't get so, don't put yourself down far for about it. It's what do I do now? What do we do next? And same thing as a manager, it's okay. You messed up. Things happened, whether it's training or what, what do we do going yeah. for? How, how do, do I change? What this? did you learn? Right. It happened. How do we move on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, need to, no need to be a Monday quarterback. Right. right. You can't change the past and you can't predict the future. All you can do is focus on what you do in this very moment. Mm -hmm. It's all we can. It's all we can do. It's good to have an end goal, but you have to remember everything that it takes to get there. And those have to be done. You got to complete all the steps to get there. It's not going to just poof magic. There it is. Good job. There's a quote like that. It's like make plans and watch God laugh. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Because literally that happens. Mm-hmm. I would really like to go visit Hawaii. Oh, COVID. Right. I would really like to go to the beach. Oh, rain. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that you think are a sure thing where it's like nothing could get in the way. There's no way that this could go wrong and feel it go astray. Boom. Boom. That just yeah. made me remember the Dane Cook special and the joke that he talks about like that childhood like playground or what or whatever it might have been a circus or something that he was like dad 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 we're gonna go to the where we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go dad's like yep yep we're gonna go we're gonna go and then the very next like like we're gonna leave tomorrow morning and then <laughs> we knew we we knew we were effed because we were leaving at 8 a.m and he went to bed at 7 58 
<laughs> so we go into that room. <laughs> Damn, we're gonna go, right? We're gonna go. Uh, it's not gonna work out today. Oh, but why? Hey, it's not going anywhere. So, I, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my dad. I'm gonna take it before he dies. I'm gonna take him to this spot. He's gonna be like, "Where are we?" You know, I'm gonna say, "This is where." Such and such used to be. It's gone. You said it's never going anywhere. It's gone. That's that's you gotta take control of your own destiny. Like if you rely on other people, which sounds bad because you some senses you have to, but you can only control what you do. You can't if you sit there and rely on other people to make your life work and attain the things that you want to attain from life, you're not gonna get a lot of them because people are gonna let you down. That's just you gonna will learn happen. that quickly. You will learn quickly, even if the people stay on top of it, that as soon as it's not happening as fast as you want, it's just gonna start causing that animosity. Right. I, I let myself down. Like I I feel on some of my projects and stuff, like writing on the book, it's like I want to write every day but I still don't write every day and it's taking longer than I wanted to get done. And there's, because I get in my own way, there's things that come up or I don't feel like it, or I can't push the button, but it's, we're all humans. We all have, you know, things going on, life going on. And it's just living in those moments and accepting our, our limitations, accepting other people's limitations and accepting the moment for what it is and making the most of them. If things don't go right, then, Make the best out of what's going on now and where you are now. How will you adjust to, to function in that moment? Right. That's it's, all. It's, it, that's all we as humans can do. It's not the destination. It's it's the journey. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the destination right. A project right. is the same thing. You're trying to finish a project. It it can't be done with everything that happens in between start and finish. You need all those things. Yeah. Right. It's, Unfortunately, it's not just, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get this done. All right, it's done. Mm-hmm. You actually got to do the. I feel like that's a lot of where the frustration comes in today with like technology, especially with TikTok and stuff. Those are such short videos and people make it look like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, they, do. they make here. it they make it look like anyone can do this. And it's like um, the person that made this video has a Ph.D. Well, not only that, but some of them, it's, it's a 20 second video and it's like, that was 16 hours worth of work. Also that right? too. Yeah. That you, you didn't tell us that there's, that's where I really appreciate the ones who accentuate their, their screw ups and the struggle. Like I was watching one for Makes Richard Osman who did, um, did a, he did the Mr. Beast, I guess, did the squid game and Richard Osman had to program all these explodable blood packets for uh for the shirts for when someone died they'd have this blood packet go off oh wow and pretty much the whole video is just talking about the struggle and how much of a pain in the ass this whole process was and how all the deadlines were and how everything was going wrong and how things constantly went wrong and nothing went according to plan and it wasn't easy and it was this that's what they focused on and i watched the. it was like a half hour video Mm -hmm. And I watched the whole thing because it was that energy. It was like, it was suspenseful. It was real. It was this. It's informative. It's not look what I did. That's a good way to put it. It's, it was informative. So you were taking in the information the entire time. It wasn't someone just rambling for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
it was bragging basically that's it's, it it's like we said with those comedians and stuff who make fun of themselves it's you're putting your flaws on display to make us mm-hmm. feel more relatable more human more it's more attainable you know showing us it's okay to make mistakes and that everybody makes mistakes but mistakes is mistakes are necessary to get to where you're trying to go right he still did it he still hit his deadline but for him you could tell the journey was all about the struggle it Mm -hmm. wasn't a glory rush it wasn't this big happy thing it was hard it was a pain in the ass and it didn't work out the way he thought it would but he still got there you know, it's life. You, you don't always know, but if you keep working towards something and you don't give up, you'll get there. Maybe not in the way that you expected to get there, but if you don't give up, you'll eventually get there in some shape or form. I have a good See Benjamin that? Franklin quote, the things that hurt instruct. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. And I can also say, in my opinion, that quote that you said that success doesn't come without sacrifice. I think that we can reword that a little bit to success comes with commitment. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the only if way you, if you are truly committed, then you will stay consistent and you will go the entire distance. And success that's, is relative too, right? So right. Very if relative. that's your vision of success, why wouldn't you be committed to it? That's the only right. way you're going to get there. That's, that's um, what my research therapist, that's one thing they said. It's not all zero or not, or one or not, I forgot how I said it, but everything is not either I did it or a full win or nothing because I say I plan to write three pages for the book tonight and I only write a paragraph or one page. I could get down on myself and I didn't hit my goal and I didn't attain the thing that I wanted to attain. Or I could look at the fact that I still got a page done. I still knocked off one more thing for it. So don't beat yourself up for this goal that you pulled out of your ass. Appreciate what you actually did, which is more than nothing. Appreciate the fact that you did anything. Right. Don't live in it, but appreciate that you did. You can still appreciate it. You can still appreciate it. And at the same time, be a little bit proactive in response to it. You only got a page. You only got a page and a half tonight of the three page requirement that you wanted. So your next day that you do that has a three page requirement, you've got another extra page and a half to catch up. Or make your goals more attainable, learn yourself and understand that because the thing is you can make it daunting to yourself. Mm -hmm. If you say every time it's like, I can't, I I keep telling myself I'm going to do three pages in a night, but I never get three pages a night. And now I've got six pages that I need to do, but it's, well, maybe I am more capable of doing that. And so if I do one page every night, instead of getting upset with myself and not writing for four days, five days straight, at the end of a year, I'm still going to have more written doing it that way and making attainable goals for myself. I can understand that. I guess the spectrum that I was coming from was when it's been demonstrated that you can, and then you just don't. So then it's like, okay, well, you took one day to slack off tomorrow. You're back at it. Right. Right. Yeah. Attainable. That's again, going back to knowing yourself and understanding your capabilities and your flaws and what you have going on in your life and setting attainable goals and 
That's where setting outlandish goals helps you find that. Right. Because at least you right. have a goal. Even if you can't hit it, you can figure out what you can hit mm-hmm. and then work from there. That's what I did back when I was selling insurance for State Farm and my boss was requiring me to set a goal. So at first I would try to set myself some high goals, goals that I knew I wasn't going to hit, but I was going to see how far I could get. And the first couple months that I made it like a little bit towards halfway of this goal, I just drastically reduced the goal. And she hated that. She was like, you need to stay hitting, stay striving for those heavy goals because you're going to, you're just going to become comfortable with not hitting the level that you wanted to hit. You're not going to try to push yourself to hit that higher level because you're going to come to that level that you already know you can do. And you're not going to give that extra effort. I understand where she's coming from at the same time. I was think I was thinking more realistic that this is what I can do and I'm going to automatically try my hardest, but I'm not going to beat myself up that if I hit a goal of 60 apps in a month and I put 30 through, I still right. put 30 through. Right. That's, that's where we are our biggest competition. Like when I was a manager, I don't like, you had a sock ratio and you had a multiple ratio and stuff like that. I don't expect you to go for a three. If you're getting a, if you're selling one pair of socks with every pair of shoes and I want you to be hitting a three, the next time I want you to go for a 1.2 or a one and a half, I want you to do better than yourself each day. I don't need you to hit some astronomical goal. I just, if you're doing even slightly better than you did the last day, eventually you're going to hit that. You know what I mean? It's always just those micro movements, the progression, as long as you're progressing, that's what the focus should be on. That is not shooting to be the top notch person right off the back. Like, appreciate the progress that's what some people have to realize too progress isn't always moving forward sometimes you know you got to stay where you are move to the side or even move backwards to get a better picture of what you're looking at failure is the best teacher Mm -hmm. and one step one step backwards could lead to two steps forward exactly right or show you that you're going in the wrong direction altogether Fear, if used correctly, can be used as a motivator. Understand and realizing that you're scared of something is the first step to questioning why you're scared of it and then questioning what's so scary about it. And then you can start to figure out how to overcome it. Right. So how many, how many of you guys are about to go to Africa and hug a lion? (laughs) I'm good. I said, you're talking about the guy who fought the lion. Yeah, oh. there. Yeah, he he does exist. There's a guy who just that happened to. He just got in a fight with a lion and killed the lion with his bare hands. And I don't know, somebody showed me it today. But it's that's speaking good of Will after things that we talked about before. There's something he used to say about that. He said it about um, jumping from a plane. Is you know, fear is always there. Fear is a state in the mind. You're gonna be afraid. Oh, absolutely. It's what you do in those moments of fear that matter it's not there's nothing wrong with being afraid it's the choices that you make when you are afraid that truly matter Mm -hmm. there's a difference between your state of mind and your actions right if if you don't care and you're going to go do whatever that's cool but it's more impressive if you're shaking in your boots and you still stand up to that person or you still do what you know is right even though you know the odds are against you even though you know it could be detrimental 
you believe enough or you care enough that you're going to stand up to it. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's more impressive, but it yields more weight. I guess it depends who you're trying to impress. If you impress yourself, right? Right. right. And I mean, the, your little, ideals. the girly with you is just going to be, this guy knows. <laughs> it's, it's like animes and stuff too. It's the same thing. They, they build these, their villain that the hero is going against into this amazing person. They talk about all the things they do. They show off all their powers and they show kind of how weak and how limited that the hero is. But then and the then, hero don't stop. Right. The hero has ideals mm-hmm. and values that he they drive him and keep him going. And mm-hmm. sometimes he fails at the first attempt. He'll go attack him and he'll get beat and he'll be torn down. And then he has to go, you know, check back in and learn some new things and rehone himself and then stand back up to it. And that's even when you get the chills because it's you lost last time. So you can see that pure growth. Because you lost last time you did this, and now that's the same person. Mm-hmm. But you've become a new person. You've outgrown them. They may they, think they're, they're at complacent. the top. Right. But you're still growing. And you will always be growing. If you choose to, if you're not afraid. <laughs> it's a trick. You've got to take the first step. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid of learning you can be afraid still do it Mm -hmm. it's okay to be afraid just still learn still keep going still move don't let it stop you it's 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 human to be afraid everyone's afraid of something it is it's literally just a human emote it's not even just a human emotion it's just an emotion like animals are afraid of other animals Mm-hmm. And it's do they like just play the there and take it, or do they react and fight back? And that's the, if they survive or not is what they do in those moments. And especially when it's a mama wildebeest that's protecting her young, she mm-hmm. can take a lion. Right. Right. Putting herself at risk, like overcoming her fear of death, just so that your offspring lives. Mm hmm. You know, that's the same thing with, with people who are firefighters or, you know, police officers or like the, the, the firefighters on 9-11. There are so many people who are walking down the stairs who talk about the look on the face of the firefighters that were headed up to the top of the building. And they said in the moment, they didn't recognize what this look on their face was as they passed them heading up the stairs, but they did after it was, it was fear. These people were marching to their death. They were walking to their death. And they knew it, but that was their job. That's what they were, they were there to help people. And they that, could be, te- they could potentially be walking to their death. Right. But it's the, it was an unknown, the fear of the unknown. And if they would have let that fear consume them, then it's just going to harm them more than them standing true and just doing the job that they were brought there to do. Right. Accepting the risk and still generally, generally speaking, the leader of that group has responsibility and it's not going to just willingly send you to your death. 
but that's a risk that you're taking. It's a lot mm-hmm. of those firefighters did die. A lot of the ones who marched up there died because of it. And they knew that was a risk that they were taking to do their duty. You know, just because you're scared of it doesn't mean the responsibility disappears and it takes care of itself. Someone still has to do it. And thankfully not all. Right. So the yeah. ones, the ones that were, are able to still live on in those others memory. Right. Sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It's, it's the greater good is worth the risk that I'm taking. If the world's a better place for the risk that I took. And that's just figuring out what's, what's worth it. What is worth it to you to risk yourself for? There was even a little bit of fear before I went into that damn puddle to try and get my disc back. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's a puddle. There could be some snakes in there. There could be all these other things, some leeches. And then it came down to it. And I'm like, there's no leeches. This is literally just normally field. It's just overflowing with water right now. So, and there shouldn't be snakes because it's not entirely warm enough. Well, it's, it's like we were saying with throwing that line, once you're in the water, you weren't even thinking about that anymore. Were you? You're already, you're already in once, it. I mean, once I was in it and I started progressing, I'm like, just don't step on something questionable. Just don't step on something <laughs> questionable. Well, and you're like worried about getting wet. You're worried about sick, but I'm wet now. I'm already in it. Like what? I'm already wet. And yeah, I'm in it. And like, I, I just don't want to step on something questionable because <laughs> I saw, I, I just saw a toad over there and I don't want to step on him. But you can't even control that because you can't probably see where your feet are going. You just have I to hope. I couldn't. It was pitch black. I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous. 